You are listening to Lead Pastor Curtis Jones at the Discover Church in Georgetown, Delaware. We are glad you've tuned in today and hope to see you at our next worship experience on Sundays at 10 a.m. And uh, I, I just want to say we have some some fun stuff happening all through uh, all through the rest of the year through, through the rest of December's. And uh, don't forget, listen next week. Next week, next week is going to be awesome because next week is Ugly Christmas Sweaters Sunday, okay? So I want to make sure, and by the way, I, just to let you know, we are working on some special gifts for the ugliest Christmas sweater, okay? Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday, that is next uh, That is next week. But let me tell you, today we are kicking off our Christmas uh, series, and it's going to be a little bit more of a, a kind of an unusual one than maybe you were thinking, because no, we're not going to just read the Christmas story, or I'm not just going to talk about Wiseman. But what we're actually going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look at some of the Apostle Paul's letters that he wrote to churches, and we're going to be pulling some truths out of them that are good for us in general but are also going to be good for us for the time of Christmas. And, and uh, really, I got thinking about like, so we uh, are, I was born and raised in Delaware, and some of you were, and some of you weren't. You were transplants, you moved here. But I was just trying to think of what are, we, what are some ways for us to have like the most Delaware Christmas ever, okay? And the most Delaware Christmas ever is what we're going to be talking about uh, for the next couple of weeks as we look at some of the Apostle Paul's letters uh, to some churches. And we're going to pull some stuff out, like I said. Uh, how to do that. But how many of you have any clue, you don't have to like shout this out or anything like that, but, but just saying, did anybody have a, any idea on when you think really like the first Christmas was celebrated? Uh, the first Christmas was celebrated, okay, it's 2019, maybe you're thinking, okay, well Christmas has got to be kind of old. How old? I'm not sure that you know, but it, it records indicate that the first Christmas was actually celebrated all the way back on December 25th in the year 336. 336. That is a long stinking time ago, okay? Uh, that, uh, that is, uh, well, well, well beyond my time for sure. And, and that's really when we started celebrating what became known as Christmas today. Now, obviously, you know, uh, hopefully you know this and I know, listen, we don't know that December 25th is exact. Uh, the day that Jesus was born. It was basically based off of some other traditions where they tried to place uh, when that was happening. But uh, we're going to be taking a look, if you have your Bibles today, as we get ready to get into uh, this message series, into the book of Galatians, okay? The book of Galatians. And uh, and basically, if uh, just to give you a little bit of backstory, if you're not familiar with this uh, or with the, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was one of those guys who uh, was brought up in the Jewish, Jewish tradition, and he really uh, was not a big fan of Christians at the beginning of his life. In the beginning of his life, in fact, he persecuted Christians. He literally made it like his, his goal in life to persecute every Christian that he could find. And so uh, when he ended up having this uh, amazing life encounter where God came and he, he, got, he, he got spoke to by God, experienced temporary blindness, and God basically showed up in his life in a crazy way. Thankfully, uh, you are probably hopefully like me where you're thankful where God didn't have to do all that to grab our attention, right? But he grabbed the Apostle Paul's attention this way, and, uh, and he was Saul back then. God changed his name to Paul, and Paul became one of the most influential people in the New Testament, because not only did he uh, go around uh, starting churches everywhere, he, he was a church planner, and uh, not only did he do that, but then we also get all these incredible letters that he wrote to the churches that he planted. 
where he kind of explains things, and he gives some teaching and instruction and, and correction. And, and so he really goes through these uh, different areas. And so today, as we look at uh, the book of Galatians, the Galatians is not just a random name in the Bible. It, this was a place. This was a people group. And these people, if you don't know, uh, the Galatians actually were people who came down for uh, more of northern Europe, and they came down all the way down to what is now uh, currently Turkey. Uh, and they did this somewhere in between the time between when the Old Testament ended and the New Testament began. Okay, there's a 400-year time span there between the Old Testament ending, the New Testament beginning, and then we find this migration of people, which happens from time to time, where this uh, group of Galatian people, they move down to what is now present-day Turkey, and church, er, er, Paul goes there to plant a church. And when he goes there to plant a church, he starts it, and then uh, he finds out that this church is starting to kind of get some uh, not correct teaching. Like they're having some issues where they're not sure what they should believe or how they should believe this. And he kind of goes through some stuff here for them. And as he goes through this, you know, um, in Galatians 2, 14, it says this out of the New Living Translation. It says, uh, why are you now trying to make the Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? This is at the beginning of the book of Galatians. Because one of the key things that was happening, the people from the Galatian church were not Jewish people. Okay, They were not Jewish people, but yet they had people trying to explain to them that you had to become Jewish first in order to follow Jesus. And now how many of you, that that might not sound too bad until you start talking about uh, adult uh, male circumcision. And now all of a sudden, you go into a whole dangerous, sketchy, super not cool territory, okay? So, so there's a lot of people that are around sitting there trying to figure out what do we believe and what do we not believe? And, and what, what do we do about the traditions of our past? And how do we take the traditions of our past and the things that we're told and how do we make them what we're really supposed to do and how we're really supposed to follow Christ? So this happens to us, especially, I think, around Christmas. You know, uh, like, for example, what do you teach your children or your grandchildren about Christmas? Is it all about presents and gift giving? Is it about a, a big uh, stocky white man that, that breaks into your house and leaves gifts for you? Uh, or, or is there something more? Is there some deeper meaning to Christmas as we celebrate the birth of our Savior? And so I think as we get ready to look here at the book of Galatians, as we look at some of the Paul's teachings and some of his writings, we're going to find that some of the stuff that translates from what the Galatian church was experiencing and what we experience uh, today in 2019. And if you were to, to read the book of Galatians, which I would highly encourage you to, you would find that through the first four chapters pretty much, Paul is basically just giving them general instruction about the fact that they don't actually have to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus. But in chapters 5 and 6, which is where we're going to get into, we find that he has some more practical items for them and to, some more practical things to, for them to explain. And if you have, uh, I think this is in the New King James and the NIV, if you have that Bible, or even maybe if you have your Bible app open, you're going to see at the top of uh, Galatians, I think it's chapter 6, 
uh, it, it uh, has kind of like a, a head title, you know what I mean? The, thankfully, uh, the, the people that wrote the Bible were nice enough in certain chapters. They give us kind of like those title headlines about what's happening in the chapter. And, and, and basically, it was doing good to all. And so I really thought for this message, as we look at the Galatians, you know, really the, the title for this could be like, how do we do good to all this Christmas? You know, and, and so how do we do that? And, and I think the very first thing that we're going to do, and you're going to see this as we get ready to read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, is this. It says, brothers and sisters, it says, if someone is caught in sin, now how many of you, you know, you say, okay, I've probably been caught in sin, I've done something I shouldn't have done, right? But who live by the Spirit, what, what should we do? We should restore that person gently, or like we talked about the other week, we should experience meekness here. We should try to practice that. It says, but watch yourselves, or you may be tempted because what are we supposed to do? It continues on here that we should carry each other's burdens. Now, if you don't really understand what that is, carry one another's burdens, what would a burden be? A burden for us would basically be a heavy weight. So one of the things I love that it talks about, Jesus talked about this, and we get the Apostle Paul that talks about this, is the fact that we, if we love one another, what should we be doing? We should actually be taking the time to carry one another's burdens with, with each other. You know why? Because if I have a really heavy load that's too hard for me to carry, for me to follow, for me to go, go on to continue my path and my journey, then guess what that means? If I'm going to be crushed by it, and, but I have other people that come around me and help take that off of me, that help lift the burden to carry the burden, then guess what? then just maybe I might actually make it towards my goal. I might actually get to where I'm trying to get. And he says this, it continues on here at, in verse 2. He says, and this is the way that you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if you don't know what the law of Christ is, the law of Christ is very simply put this. The law of Christ is love. How do we fulfill that? We love, we love, we love. And so for us, the number one thing, how do we really do good to all this Christmas. I think the first thing that we have to say is that this Christmas season, this Christmas, I'm going to give someone a pass. Anybody ever experienced a hall pass uh, when you were in school? And what was the hall pass for when you were in school? So that when the hall monitor or the teachers or whoever was around and they caught you running up and down the hall, what, what was it? Oh, no, 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 I don't get in trouble. You know why? I got the pass. I got my pass. I'm okay. No, no detention. No anything else for me. I'm good to go. I don't know if you've seen now some of the schools are uh, doing for passes like they're doing like whole like giant wooden blocks. You know what I mean? Because they just that way you don't lose it. And it's awesome because this kid's got to carry this massive thing, massive thing around. So for us though, what is that experience with for us to have to give someone a pass? That means when people do stuff to us this year, when they don't come in and just automatically fall over how beautiful your Christmas tree is at your house, or when they take your parking spot at work, or when Wawa goes in and the person is working on the machine that you want to get to to get your coffee, and it's throwing you off for your whole morning. No, listen, it's super easy, right, in those moments to really to get upset and allow it to ruin uh, moments of your day or your whole day. But when you allow yourselves to realize that, guess what? That the, the person that is, that, that is having this effect on you, 
they also could be going through something. And that if for us, what we are supposed to do is we're supposed to fulfill the law of Christ where we are loving them, we're loving one another. In fact, in, in the book of Colossians, it says this. It says that we are to bear with each other and forgive one another in the light of any grievance against someone. And you know why we do that? Because of that last part in that sentence there. And if there's any time you ever get upset about anyone uh, this Christmas season, I need you to remember this sentence. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because guess what? If God forgave you of all the screw-ups and mistakes and all the things that you've done in the past, right, then guess what? You should certainly be willing and able to actually take and forgive the other person that is coming against you to have this offense against you. And we have to experience that. So Paul, uh, you know, he takes in Galatians, and he does this in the book in, in chapter 5, where Paul actually, he lists a large group of sins, okay? And I, I won't say this is the whole sin if you want to read Galatians chapter 5, but I'm going to start here towards the end. Uh, he starts around 19, verse 19, and I'm going to finish up here around 21. After he he goes through and he lists this enormous uh, uh, list of sin, right? He's like, you know, whoever has this sinful nature should should take the opportunity and do this. And he says at the end of it, let me tell you again, as I have before. So Paul has had to reiterate this more than once because people are hard-headed. Some of you have more hard-headed nature than others, right? And don't, don't nudge the person next to you there, okay? All right, but some of us are more hard-headed. He says, let me tell you this again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not do what? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have to see that, guess what? We need to make sure that we are forgiving one another and that we're carrying the load and showing that law of Christ, that love that Christ has for us because of what he's done for us, and that we need to make sure at the same time that we're working with one another to experience that forgiveness that Christ has because Paul has something monumental for us to understand here. The monumental part of this is that, guess what? If we're not careful, the sin, whether it's the small sin, whether we think it's the little teeny itty bitty thing, or the real monster, monster big thing, either way, when, no matter which one you look at, guess what? Those will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but inheriting my inheritance, I want to keep that, right? I don't, I don't want to trade my inheritance for something stupid, I don't want to give, give what God has called for me to have away just because of a small grief or a gripe that I had with somebody, but I want to make sure that when it comes down to it, that I actually am, am going to be the son of God, or you can be the daughter of God, and you can get the inheritance that God has promised you that he would do. One of the things I love seeing, I love, I love seeing when people are restored and families are brought together and experience forgiveness and Paul actually experienced this himself in his own life because Paul, like I told you, Paul was a, a missionary and a church planner. He went out and planted churches all over, and he didn't do this by himself. In fact, if you read a little bit more into the book of Acts and Paul's journey, we find that uh, Paul has a couple companions that he travels with over time, and uh, Barnabas is one of them, and he also has John Mark, who's both apostles. And as we experience what, what life is like for Paul traveling with these two men, we find that Paul gets upset with John Mark because John Mark, all of a sudden, in the middle of one of his journeys and one of his trips, John Mark basically like taps out. He's like, Paul, I'm done, man. I can't take no more of this. I'm going back home for a while. Like, peace out. 
It, you ever had anybody do that for you that was going to be there, that was going to count on you, that you were counting on, that, that was going to be like, I got you, I got you, I got you, and guess what? I don't got you. But this is what happens to Paul. Paul and John Mark, and so Paul, when he was going to go back out on another journey to, for more churches, for more church planning, uh, you had Barnabas who was going to sit there like, is it, it, telling Paul, hey, hey man, we should take John Mark. Paul's like, uh-uh, mm-mm, nope, I ain't doing that again. I'm not going to be burned by John Mark because he's not going to come with me and then all of a sudden bail out like he did the last time. And so, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And listen, this is the Apostle Paul, and Apostle Paul is holding on to some stuff here, right? So I, I, want, you to feel, I want you to feel a little bit better. If you have issues with holding on to stuff, it's okay. He did too, right? But what we find is that now, Barnabas is actually kind of like the, the hero out of the story because Barnabas decides, he puts another guy with Paul, and Barnabas decides to go with, with John Mark, and he decides they're going to go do their own thing. And what he ends up doing is he ends up bringing all of them back together again so that they could all experience forgiveness and they could come into one place, into one accord. So I want to let you know that, that those moments where somebody has let you down, where somebody has, has burned that bridge maybe, where they, they said they were going to do something and they didn't show up. And so then you're just like, listen, this is 100% me. You can talk to my wife about this. Uh, for, for This is 100% me. If somebody burns a bridge, like, well, well, you know what? We'll figure it out a different way. I ain't going back. I'm not doing that again. I'm not experiencing that hurt and pain and distrust and all that other stuff. But guess what happens? That is not at all what God has commanded us to do. We have to be able to give that person the pass to say, guess what? It's okay that you hurt me. It's okay. I, I, I mean, I, it took me a little bit of time, but guess what? I'm going to make it through because I'm not going to let that hold me back from the inheritance that I have in God's kingdom. The second one is this. Is we go back to Galatians 6 now. In Galatians 6, Verse 3 uh, through 5 says this. It says, if anyone thinks that they are someone when they are not, I don't know if you've ever thought that, that you were someone when you were not, then guess what? They deceive themselves. It says, each one should test their own actions. Or in other words, uh, if I could put like a little bit of a modern spin on this, this little part of, uh, of scripture here, that you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? All right, so this is what he says, that if, any, if you think you're someone and you're not, then, then you don't deceive yourself. You need to test your actions. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. It says, and then uh, they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each should carry their own load. So one of the, th the number two things for how do we really experience a great Delaware Christmas, how do we make it so that, uh, so that after we give the pass, the second one is this, is that this Christmas, I'm going to work on keeping my head down. I'm going to work on keeping my head down. And when we say, I'm going to work on keeping my head down, that is not because you're ashamed or embarrassed of something. That is because, guess what? You're going to focus on you, and you're going to focus on making sure you get your walk with God right, and you're doing what you're supposed to do and not be looking around so much at what everybody else is saying or what everybody else thinks. Because simply, we take pride in ourselves. We must, we must kind of take the opportunity to examine you know, where are we at with his, with our walk? Where are we at? You know, a, a, an honest self-examination kind of is required here. I don't know if you've ever had to do that. It, sometimes it can be a painful thing when you have to experience that. You know, but what I think we find when we do this, when we, it, it, we create the opportunity to examine ourselves honestly, 
is I think we allow ourselves to experience that, guess what? We're not all that we thought we once were. We're not all that we thought. We're not as perfect and as, and as great as maybe we thought we once were. The, the fact is that we maybe we do have some things that we need to take the opportunity to address. And, 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 and comparison is one of these things where we want to compare our lives to other people. We want to compare what they have and, and what we have and, and the, the dinner spread that they looked. I, I looked at, uh, I, I seen a couple of pictures of some people that posted uh, their Thanksgiving meals. And some of them look like they're straight out of uh, a Martha Stewart living or what, I don't know. I'm trying to think of any other woman's magazine. That's, uh, that's the best I can come up with for an example. Uh, but listen, it was like this incredible, like labeled, uh, labeled, you know, all the dishes were labeled and everything was fancy and all this stuff. And I'm like, who in the world has time for all that? Now, that is crazy. But it's easy, right? Because you could look at that and you could compare it like, well, well I guess my, our dinner must not have been that great, you know? Well, no, th- listen, obviously somebody had extra time and they wanted to put the special touches on it. But guess what? When the end of the night came, I was still full, okay? So it didn't make any difference. But what we have to understand is that sometimes when we allow ourselves to not keep our head down and when we start comparing ourselves and looking around at what other people have, comparison does a couple things to us. And, and here's the first thing. Thing it does is it robs us of our identity and value because when you compare yourselves to other people and it robs you of that identity and value because guess what you're not thinking of who you are anymore you're thinking about who you are through them and guess what they don't care because they're not thinking about it that makes no difference to them you're comparing yourself to something that nobody even no, nobody's paying attention to and then we make our values change because our values, we're trying to live life the way someone else is. Comparison also does this. It fosters insecurity and hopelessness. It blocks the satisfaction and contentment that God wants us to have. And the fourth one, and this is probably, in my opinion, the biggest portion of it, is that when we compare ourselves to others, it suppresses the joy that we have and happiness. It suppresses that. And guess what? You won't be able to experience joy and happiness when you live a life where you're trying to compare what you did to what everybody else did. You know, as we look through, and it's so easy to do. I mean, some of you might even be looking on Facebook and you compare how many friends you have versus somebody else as the... You only have 398 and they have 758 or how many posts likes you get on Instagram or whatever uh, other, other ridiculous notions there are, right? But the comparison, the really the only comparison that we should be having is, is who uh, you were yesterday and who God wants us to be tomorrow. Because we're all on that journey where we're trying to make sure that we're living a life according to the love of Christ, Right? And the only way for us to actually do that is to make sure that we're living that life going to where God wants us to do. And here it is, the last point that we have for today is number three, is that this Christmas, I'm going to remember to keep my heart open. I'm going to remember to keep my heart open. And it says this in Galatians 6, verse 6. It says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share the good things with their instructor. And listen, there's a lot of people that would teach this is as making sure that pastors and people in church get paid that that really is not what I want to talk about what I want to talk about here out of Galatians 6 6 is that guess what when you win we all win 
When you experience a, a, a victory, guess what? I experience victory. When, when you experience something monumental happening in, happening in your life, guess what? She experiences it, and, and they experience it. We all get to share in the victory because you know why? We're all in it together. We're doing it all together. And, and listen, if you don't feel like you have that togetherness, I want to really challenge you here through Christmas, this Christmas season, as we move into the new year, really take the opportunity to get plugged in here because guess what? We, I want you to succeed I, because your victory is my victory, and my victory is your victory, and we're, we're in this thing together as we keep our hearts open. It continues here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh from flesh, guess what? They will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, and that is the Spirit of God, the capital S, and it says, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That is the inheritance of the Father. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, what will happen? You will get to reap a harvest if you do not give up. The book of Proverbs, which is the wisdom book, says this in 1125. It says, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I want you to think about what will last today as we get ready to close. I want to invite you to stand with me. When you think about what will last, I think about the generosity that you have with your family, with your friends, The generosity that you have with those people is either going to make you poor or rich towards them and towards God. We can't, you can't work yourself into it. You can't do any of the other stuff. It's all about the fact of what you're generous with. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your effort and your talent and your ability? When we moved into this building, I, I want to let you know it was a huge, huge step. I want to let you know, it was a pretty stressful time in my life. I don't normally th consider myself a really stressed out person by any means. I was a little bit worried. Because guess what? I might be the guy that's, uh, that's, that's steering the ship for Discover Church as far as uh, leading and pastoring. And all I could say was, uh, like, Lord, just don't let me sink this thing. Lord, don't, don't let me do something stupid here. Don't let, let this not be me, but it all be you. What I, wanna, what I love about it is that, guess what? We put out the call and we made the challenge and we prayed with our team, our lead team, and we were just kind of fiercely debating, what do we do? And when we had our This Is Us campaign, which was our kind of campaign to help raise funds, to we, we raised over $7,000 to help us additionally get into to this building. And I want to let you know, I don't share that with you today because I want you to think about numbers. I share that with you today because guess what? It was never about the building. The building, it's just a structure. This is just a place. It's just got some lights on and some chairs. Had nothing to do with that. Had everything to do with the people that were going to come inside of it had everything to do with the children that were going to be in the back that are going to be learning about Jesus, how to pray, who the Holy Spirit is. 
how to live a life where when they experience tough times, they can call out to God. It was so we could experience community groups and so we could have an amazing Christmas dinner so we could have people that would reach out and call out to us and say, hey, God's doing something in my life. Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. I want to let you know that God wants to show off in your life. He wants to show off in your life in ways that you probably have not even dreamed of. There are some pretty spectacular things that he'll do when you allow him to. Because God loves taking broken things and creating something brand new out of them. What I love is God, God doesn't actually fix broken things. He makes them new. That's cool. Listen, you can give me something broken. I might be able to fix it, but it ain't never going to be like it was when it was new. God says, listen, I'll, I'll take your broken stuff. When you lay it all down, when you give it all to me, I'm going to make it something brand stinking new. I just want to pray with you today as we get ready to close out, as we come in. Some of you have already been listening to Christmas music for a couple of weeks. Some of you have been anxiously waiting and holding out. So some of you, for, for some of you, Christmas feels like it's already happened, and some of you are just kind of getting into the midst of it. You survived Black Friday. I don't see anybody with any black eyes from going to Walmart and having to fight anybody. That's great. But I just, I really, really want to challenge you and your family this Christmas. Let's do something this Christmas that means something that's not just a box with wrapping paper that's not just got stuff in it but let's do something that's going to transform our communities it's going to transform our families it's going to transform your life and guess what man when it does that's so awesome because I get to share in your wins and when it happens to me you get to share in mine it's going to be awesome so I just want to ask as we get ready to close out today I just want to let you know the front is open if you want to be prayed with today about anything specifically. But as you are where you are today, or if you want to come up front, I just want to take time to pray for our families individually. And listen, you say, well, I don't really have any family around. I don't, I don't really know how to make the difference. Listen, family doesn't necessarily have to be blood. Because if you are part of D.C., you call D.C. home, guess what? You got a room full of family. So you can pray for your biological families, the ones that God gave you, and you can pray for your spiritual families, the one that God blessed you with. But let's, let's take the opportunity and turn this Christmas season over to God and allow Him to do what He's going to do, that doors will be open, that as hot chocolate is passed out, as dinner is had, as, as we go through all the other things that we'll have happening this, this December, that God's going to show up and He's going to do something amazing. Would you pray with me? And listen, don't, don't just listen to me pray. I want you to pray with me today, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you so very much, Lord God, for who you are. Lord, I thank you so much for the writings of the Apostle Paul, Father God, and that there's so much that we can pull out of these verses and out of these chapters, Lord God, 
And Lord, I, I'm so thankful for this Christmas season. Whether or not Jesus was born on December 25th is regardless and is pointless to me because I know that what it represents is really what it's all about. It's all about the birth of a Savior. It's all about the birth of a Savior so that we could experience what it's like to be called sons and daughters. And Father God, I pray right now for the families that are represented in this room. Whether the families live together under one roof, Father God, whether we have multiple roofs, whether we're spread out over different towns or counties or states, Father God. Lord, I pray right now for open doors to happen in your people in this Christmas season, Father God. Lord God, I proclaim right now freedom is going to happen in some families. That the bondage that is held and the, the tense conversations, Father God, that have been held in the past are going to be able to be laid down, Father God, and peace is going to be able to be spoken in and love, and we're going to be able to experience what it's like to have the love of Christ when we sit down with family members, when we, when we sit down, when we talk with one another. Lord God, even with our co-workers, our bosses, Father God, the people that we meet in the grocery store, Father God, Lord, that you are about to do something here through your people, and it's all going to start right here out of this little place in Georgetown, Delaware, Father God. Lord, we have people here that live all over the county. We got people here that live in Maryland, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for what you're going to do because you are starting to sow seeds in the community, Father God, that are going to reap eternal harvest, Father. Lord God, we thank you. We give you the praise and the honor today. Lord, and we celebrate our wins together, Father God. We say, we say thank you so much for the Thanksgiving that we celebrated. And Father God, we pray right now that we turn our Christmas over to you. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing this song.